We're Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. So today we are um, starting a new uh, six-part sermon series, uh, teaching about the Holy Spirit. It's going to be an exciting, exciting series. The, the, the series title that we have given to the series is God Within Us, the Person of the Holy Spirit. God Within Us, the Person of the Holy Spirit. When we were throwing around ideas for a sermon series title, the first kind of stab at it was God Within Us, the Gift of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is the gift from God. In fact, the Bible teaches that He is the supreme gift of the new covenant. That's the reality of what the Scriptures teach. But we didn't want the idea of the gift of the Holy Spirit to to cause any of us to think that this series was particularly about the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, words of knowledge, healing, etc., that are found in 1 Corinthians 12. As great as those are, as awesome as those are, we've done a series on that. I think it was last summer or two summers ago. You can go online and learn about that through the sermon series that we did there. This series is about the ordinary power of the Holy Spirit. This series is about some of the kind of ordinary works and the ordinary miracle and working of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives. Paul writes this about our relationship with the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8. The text will be behind me. He says this in verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. One of the great characteristics of being a child of God is that we are led by the Holy Spirit. Paul later writes in Galatians chapter 5, he, said, he says this, he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us learn to keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, Paul is exhorting us to, to learn to be a people or, or to be a people who, who know how to follow the Holy Spirit intentionally, to know how to hear his voice and to, and to find the courage to, to do what he's calling us to do. And when we follow the Holy Spirit intentionally, the truth is we fulfill the law summarized by the Ten Commandments. We fulfill the law accidentally. When we follow the Holy Spirit intentionally, we fulfill the law accidentally. What I'm trying to say is this. You don't need the law of God. You don't need the law of God to tell you when you follow the Holy Spirit to tell you that it's wrong to murder or to tell you that it's wrong to steal. You don't need a chapter and a verse from the Bible to be, to, 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 to be one to stop yourself from participating in office, in, in office gossip. Because when you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, the acts of the flesh are made known. When you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, you begin to see the fruit of the Spirit manifest in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul carries on in Romans 8, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. No, we've been, we've been rescued. We've been, we've been pulled out of that, that bondage to slavery and, and, and bondage to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, as children, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We must realize that the Holy Spirit enables us to experience the life and the liberty of being in relationship with God. He enables us to experience it. And can I say this? It is an emotional experience. By the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of adoption, we cry out, Abba, Father. Don't be afraid of expressing emotion in your relationship with God. Don't be afraid of laughter. Don't be afraid of tears. 
Don't be afraid of, of overwhelming joy. This idea, this Western idea of keeping our emotions in check when it comes to, to our relationship with God is not of God, I don't believe. By the Holy Spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. He, he enables us to experience intimacy with the Father through the grace and mercy that are on offer to us by Jesus Christ. By the Holy Spirit, He leads us into relationship with Himself, into relationship with the Father, and into relationship with Jesus. Paul carries on. The Spirit Himself bears witness. The Spirit Himself testifies. The Spirit Himself confirms that uh, um, with our spirit that we are children of God. I, I, I love this idea that, that is mentioned here, that is alluded to here, but it's explicitly expressed throughout the Scriptures of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three persons of the one Godhead, which is, I know is, is difficult to understand, but it's what the Bible teaches, three persons of the one Godhead working together to bring us into salvation, and on from salvation into maturity. The Father chooses. The Father calls us into salvation. Jesus provides the means of salvation through his death and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit causes our spirits to come alive to the truth of what Jesus has done. We are born again by the Spirit of God. Peter confirms that in, in his book, First Peter. We have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Father, Son, Holy Spirit working together to bring us into salvation and the knowledge of Jesus. And then Paul ends off this text, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. And so in these four short verses, we've already seen some amazing things that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit sets us free. The Holy Spirit enables us to experience intimacy with the Father and to enjoy the eternal life of Jesus. The Holy Spirit stirs our hearts to worship, and He reveals our true identity. All of that in four verses. And there is so much more for us to learn about what the Holy Spirit does, who the Holy Spirit is, and what the Holy Spirit does. And so, as great and as amazing as the gifts of the Spirit are, and this is not in any way meant to sideline the, 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 the incredible power and need and importance of the gifts, this series is about focusing on the other things that the Holy Spirit does, the, the work that the Holy Spirit does in saving us and bringing us into maturity. If you are with us today and you are not a follower of Jesus, you might not be able to recognize this or even realize this, but I want to tell you the Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit is alongside you. The Holy Spirit's desire for your life is for you to come into a knowledge of Jesus' death and resurrection so that you can have relationship with your heavenly Father. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you will be able to look back on your life before knowing Jesus and recognize that the Holy Spirit was with you every step of the way. And now that, you, now that you believe in Jesus, now that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you will know that the Spirit of God now has taken up residence in your heart and is working through you to impact and influence and, 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 and minister to the lives of those around you. So to those who are followers of Jesus, as we start this series, let me ask you this. In your walk with the Lord, in your, in your Christian life, do you emphasize the Holy Spirit as much as you do the Father and the Son? 
over the next six or over the next five weeks, we're going to learn about the Holy Spirit and our identity, what it means to, to find our security in Jesus. We're going to learn about the Holy Spirit and holiness. How do, we, how, how do we reflect the glory of Jesus? We're going to learn about the Holy Spirit and wholeness, finding healing for our hearts through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Ken Grenfell, our friend, is going to be with us that weekend, ministering on Friday night here on, on Sunday at, at, at uh, May 19th, releasing the power of God to bring healing in that area. We're going to learn about the Holy Spirit and maturity, what it means to grow up in Jesus. And then we're going to end off the series learning about what a spirit-filled life looks like. What does it mean to, to live a life that, like Jesus lived, depending on the, the power of the Holy Spirit and his relationship with the Father? But today what I'm going to be doing is just laying a foundation, just providing a, a bridge into the series, an introduction into the series. And we're going to do that by turning, uh, looking at a text from John 14. So if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in John 14 you can look on your phones or on a, in your Bible, or the text will come up uh, behind me on the screen. John 14 is the start of, of Jesus getting his disciples ready for the day that is about to dawn, the day of his crucifixion, the day that, 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 that Jesus is about to lay down his life, the, the day that he's, been, he, the, that he's been preparing his disciples for is about to dawn. And he's getting his disciples ready for this incredible day. And he starts off in the beginning of John chapter 14. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he goes on to say, you know the way to the place that I am going. This is in the first couple of verses of John chapter, chapter 14. And, and just to make sure that the disciples are aware of the way to the place that Jesus is going, Jesus makes it very clear. He says, I am the way and the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We need to know that. Again, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to put it to you that the, the Word of God declares Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only one through whom we are able to have relationship with God the Father. And then the text we're going to look at is starting in verse 16. Jesus begins to talk about and introduce us to the person of the Holy Spirit and the work that he does. And in verse 16, Jesus says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another paraclete to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Can I just stop there? We're going we're gonna to read some more, but man... That is how secure your salvation is. Jesus says, you are in me and I am in the Father. You are in me and I am in the Father. The, Jesus is not falling out of the Father, so you are not falling out of Jesus. That's how secure our salvation is. Sorry, that verse just blows my mind. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Drop down to verse 25 for the sake of time. All this I have spoken while still with you. 
But the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So what we're going to simply do this morning in the next sort of 20 minutes is ask and answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? But before I do that, let me just say how ridiculous it is to even think that I could take 20 minutes to describe who is the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit could do. And I want to be very clear on expectations because I don't want any of you to be frustrated or disappointed that we're not diving in as deep as we could or should. We went out to brunch a couple weeks ago with some dear friends and after church one Sunday. And uh, on the menu, they had um, a list of, uh, of spreads, um, different hummus-type spreads. And, and then there was, a, there was a, um, a, a spread sampler, which was meant to be you could pick any three, and then you'd get a couple of breads, and you could taste a sample of the spreads. But, but let me tell you, it was ridiculous, because it was literally like a teaspoon of each spread kind of smeared on the plate with a couple of pieces of bread for like 15 bucks or something like that. And... And rightly so, the people that we were with, one of the guys stood up and he was like, this is ridiculous. This is just a sample of, uh, and it was crazy. And I, I want to be very clear this morning. Don't stand up and say, Steve, this is ridiculous. You're giving us a little teaspoon of the truth of, what, of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. I want to be very clear. Each of these points deserve a sermon on their own. They deserve us to, to dive in deeply. I'm just giving you a taste of something of who the Holy Spirit and what he does. I don't want you coming to me afterwards and telling me how ridiculous and, and brief my sermon was. Firstly, who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? The Holy Spirit is the paraclete. You might be thinking, what on earth is that word? You've probably never heard it before. But simply, it's a, it's a Greek word that's found in the original text that has actually been transferred over to the English language. And the word paraclete simply means one called to stand next to you as a helper. One called to stand next to you as a helper. Look at verse 16. This is Jesus teaching. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. That word another means to uh, uh, another of exactly the same kind. Another just like me is what Jesus is saying. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another of exactly the same kind. Another just like me, another paraclete, One just like me, called to stand alongside you, to help you, and to be with you forever. And this paraclete is the spirit of truth. Now, I've intentionally included the original word paraclete in the text because over the over the years, the Bible commentators, the English Bible, uh, the English Bible translators have have struggled to find an equivalent English word to to translate the word paraclete. In fact, they've come up with seven or eight different words. Depending on the, on the translation that you are reading, you will see words like advocate or, 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 or helper or counselor or comforter, different words that are used. And, and I've intentionally in, included the word paraclete because I, I want to stress this. Whichever, word, whichever English word is used to translate paraclete, the best way to understand that word is not through correct translation, but through experiencing the Holy Spirit. The best way to understand the word paraclete is not through correct translation of the English language. The the best way to understand the word paraclete is to experience the person 
and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let me explain it like this. Google Maps is great. Yeah, I, I don't think any one of us could, could, could live without it. And I'm probably going to show my age, but, but I remember a time when there was no such thing as mobile internet. And if you were trying to go from point A to point B in a busy city, you had to own a map book. Now, I know some of you are thinking, what? But literally, it was a book of maps, and you'd have to find the address, and you'd have to navigate your way using the map book, flipping from page to page to navigate your way through a city. And then something exciting happened. We got um, MapQuest, where we could punch in our address and print off the details. So we had a printed sheet to take us on our particular journey. And then Google Maps arrived, and the whole world changed. And, And by the way, with it came Google Earth. Do you remember when Google Earth was launched? How cool that was? The funny thing is, I bet you every single one of us, of all the places we could have gone to in all the world, sitting in our armchair, of all the places we could have looked up, I know we all went to exactly the same place. We went to our home. We typed in our home address to kind of have a look what our home looked like, although we could have just walked outside the front door and and seen that, but be that as, as it may. Google Maps is great for a visitor to Chicago. They can go onto Google Maps and they can get to see how the city lines up, lies against the lake. They can see how the streets of Chicago are set up in a grid system with the occasional diagonal street. They can see how the L track snakes around the city. But you know, looking on Google Maps is no substitute for experiencing the sights and sounds of the city. To get to know Chicago. You have to walk down Milwaukee Avenue on a Friday night in the summer. To get to know Chicago, you have to go walking on the lakefront on a Saturday afternoon in spring or summer. And let me tell you, I don't know where spring is or when it is coming again. (laughs) You have to go and enjoy a neighborhood festival. You have to uh, see restaurants that are kind of bustling and kind of bursting out onto the sidewalk. That's how you get to experience Chicago, not just by looking on a map. Can I say the same is true for Scripture? And especially the same is true when it comes to the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit. Understanding the correct English translation of words will give us a limited understanding. But knowing who this Holy Spirit is requires us to encounter His presence, His person, and the actual work of the Holy Spirit. The way to know the Holy Spirit and His role in protecting, defending, and saving us from ourselves and our sin and the world and keeping us whole and healed as He guides and comforts and consoles us is to experience Him. And so the first word that is used to, trans- that is, that is used to translate the word paraclete, the word that I like is the word advocate. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. On Tuesday, I mentioned that we got to close on the building on, on 3850 West, West Montrose, and it was an incredible experience, but it was also very overwhelming. I mean, there was, there was a pile of paperwork, there were legal terms and financial terms that were being thrown around that I didn't have a clue what was, what was being said, and, and the enormity of the, of the moment kind of got to me a little bit. I was like, wow, this is, this is it, this is, the, this is the deal, and then my attorney walked in. Then my advocate arrived, and he was, this, he was this great guy. He had a beautiful countenance, smiley face, soft-spoken. Every time a document was slid in front of me, he literally sat next to me. As I looked at the document, he would speak softly and sweetly into my ear, 
explaining everything that I was about to sign, I felt at peace. Turned that document over, went on to the next. Whenever a question was asked of me, he, he ran interference. He would stop them. I'm Steve's attorney. How can I help? What do I need to do? What question are you looking for? We had a little bit of a complication. We were $1,400 short. Uh, that's another story for another time. But essentially, Jim, my attorney, jumped up and he said, I'm going to take care of that. He went off to, to us, to, off to the corner. 15 minutes later, came back and he said, we've got it sorted out. And when we sat there for two hours waiting for the money to be transferred, he sat quietly and talked to me and was like a friend. Jim was my advocate. Jim was my attorney. And that, I know it's a limited example. I know it's tricky to use earthly examples to describe eternal truths, but that's who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is our, is our advocate. Have you ever felt overwhelmed or bombarded or cornered or, or just, just tired of the endless accusation that can come from the devil? Time and time again, telling us how we can't match, how we don't match up, how we're not doing enough, how we're not good enough. One of the things I struggle with, and I've got to be so careful not to, to give the devil even a toehold, is I can struggle at times with doubt and fear. And if I give the devil even the slightest opportunity, he'll bombard me over and over and over again with doubt and fear to the point where it's almost crippling. But the remedy is exactly the same every time. I get up. I go outside, and I walk, and I begin to pray in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, my advocate, comes along and quietens the voice of the devil. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He is in our corner. He's contending on our behalf. He is our advocate. We're not going to spend as much time on the other words that are, that, that are used to translate the word paraclete. But he also, the Holy Spirit, is our helper. He helps us in times of difficulty or trouble. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He is with us. God himself is with us in times of weakness and sorrow. The Holy Spirit is our intercessor. Have you sometimes found yourself in a place where you don't know what to pray or don't know what even God's will is when you're facing a situation to pray? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, we don't know how to pray, how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans praying according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. He listens patiently and he understands and, and speaks wisdom into the situations and circumstances that we are facing. The Holy Spirit is our strengthener. Have you ever found yourself in those situations where you, you say to yourself, I don't think I could go through that situation ever again? Deb's shared a couple of weeks ago about the reality of faith fatigue. Of, of holding on to the hope of God's promises and the seeming delay that comes of, uh, of those promises not being fulfilled yet and how we can suffer from faith fatigue. I don't think I could go through another rejection. I don't think I could go through another week of loneliness. I don't think I could go through another, uh, 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 another promise not being fulfilled or answered. And yet somehow we find ourselves in those situations having the strength to stand in the midst of those situations. And that's because the Holy Spirit comes alongside us as our strengthener. He is our paraclete. Verse 16 says, again, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another of exactly the same kind, another paraclete. Second point I want to make is the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it. 
He's not an impersonal force. He's not the power of God. He is, a, he is a person, and we don't have time to go into great details, but he has personal attributes, and he does personal things. He guides. He hears. He speaks. He witnesses. He convicts. He glorifies Christ. He leads. He teaches. He commands. Can I say, the Holy Spirit commands us. We don't command the Holy Spirit. He forbids. The Holy Spirit forbids. The Holy Spirit instructs us what to do, and He also instructs us what not to do. He helps, He comforts, He intercedes for the Holy Spirit as a person. Back to verse 16, and I, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another of exactly the same kind, another just like me, another paraclete to help you, and He will be with you, verse 17, and and He lives with you and will be in you. So point three and four in one. We are permanently filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is the paraclete. He is a person. We are permanently filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. David writes in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. This, this verse was, was kind of brought to, to, to my heart, most particularly when I was about 24 or 25. I had just been hired as uh, the business strategy director of a, of a big chemical company back in South Africa. I was way too young and inexperienced, but somehow God's favor was on me for this position. And I'd never flown anywhere for longer than an hour. And within a month of landing this job, I was on an airplane flying business class from Johannesburg to New York, uh, about to meet the CEO of America's biggest chemical distribution company. Um, It was an incredibly overwhelming experience. And I remember sitting so clearly, remember sitting on that flight in business class, uh, a packed cabin, Those introverts out there will know exactly what I'm about to say. A packed cabin, but felt so lonely. Felt so isolated in in that business class section and just feeling incredibly overwhelmed. I I remember just sitting there weeping, in fact. Not just, not crying, not tears kind of trickling down my cheeks. Sobbing, like shoulders sobbing. That's how overwhelmed, afraid I was. And in that in the midst of feeling so scared, so afraid, so overwhelmed, I, I remember the tangible sense of the Holy Spirit. It, it was like that, that upper floor of that Boeing was completely isolated. It was just me and the glory of God. I mean, it literally, I, it felt like the glory of God was in the room. And, and I've never done this before and I've never done this since, but I, but I felt in that moment the Holy Spirit prompt me to take out a piece of paper. I'm not an artist. He prompted me to take out a piece of paper and I began to draw a sketch which was the first inkling of the Lord beginning to grab my heart for full-time ministry, which would transpire 10 years later. But it was just such a sense of in the midst of of overwhelming fear, the presence of God was there. So when I read, if I go up to the heavens, you are there, that's what I think of. Flying in a 747, I think, I don't know, this double-decker 7, whatever, Flying in one of those to New York. If I go up in the heavens, you are there. How so? Because the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our hearts. Jesus would write, well, he's going to write, say in a few few verses time, you are in me and I am in you. 
Paul says, Christ in me, the hope of glory, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the one breathing life into you and me. We are the, we are the temple, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit who has taken up residence in, 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 in my heart is the same spirit as well who empowered Jesus to do the work that God had called him to do and is the same spirit who empowers us to do likewise. Friends, we, we, have to, we have to understand this. This is so important. Jesus uh, re- relied on his relationship with the Father and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to do what he was called to do here on earth. He, he, he veiled the reality of him being God. He veiled his deity and relied on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's why at the age of 30, before he had preached a sermon, before he had raised anyone from the dead, the Holy Spirit came upon him. It says in, in Luke chapter 3, Jesus was baptized in the Spirit. And Luke goes on to describe the fact that Jesus left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit. And then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And he came back from the wilderness into Galilee, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And he opened the scroll in the synagogue and read the lines, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. In those two verses, five or six times, the, 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 the Holy Spirit empowered or, or, or inspired Luke to remind us that Jesus required the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to fulfill his ministry. If that was necessary for Jesus, how much more for us? We can't hope to do the things God has called us to do outside of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. I love the Old Testament kind of metaphor or picture or kind of foreshadow of the Holy Spirit. You can read it in Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30 describes what is known as the fragrant anointing oil. And it was this, this sticky viscous, syrupy, pungent, fragrant oil, five gallons that was, that was made, that was created, and it was used to anoint anything or anyone who was about to enter into service of the Lord. And you know, when we think of anointing someone with oil, we think of dabbing our little finger in a bottle of olive oil and, and kind of tapping the forehead. No, 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 Old Testament style. Five gallons poured over somebody. And, and let, me say, let me say this. If it's that in the Old Testament, how much more in the New Testament? Five gallons poured over somebody as they stepped into the service of the Lord, picturing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on that person. Later on, if you were to read uh, uh, Psalm 133, it actually describes when, when men and women dwell together in unity, how pleasant it is. It's like the anointing oil running down Aaron's head, down his beard, onto his shoulders. It's like this. Imagine this was the anointing oil of God. And it's not five gallons, but it's a little bit smaller. And imagine if that... I, I'm going to watch the Avengers afterwards. I can't, uh, I can't wet my shirt. But imagine if that was poured out on, our, on us. You know, if I'm covered with, with sticky, fragrant, viscous anointing oil, you know what? You're going to smell me, smell me a mile away. The anointing of God has a fragrance. It smells like Jesus. And so when I'm covered with Jesus, when I'm covered with the person of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, wherever I go, you're going to know that I'm there. And if I'm covered with this viscous, sticky anointing oil, once I leave the boardroom at my place of work or my classroom at school, 
or my neighborhood's or, or my friend in the neighborhood's house, I'm going to leave deposits of the presence of God wherever I go. You see, that's the power of the anointing of God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Luke writes in Acts chapter 10, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. You see, the anointing is evidence that God is with us. It's the power of God anointing us to do the things that God has called us to do. The Holy Spirit anoints our thoughts. Picture the the idea of of that oil running down our heads. The Holy Spirit wants to anoint our thoughts that we wouldn't be be consumed and bombarded by anxious thoughts. He, He anoints our eyes that we would see the glory of God. He anoints our ears that we would hear the voice of God. He anoints our shoulders that we would carry the glory of God with humility. He anoints our hands that we would be able to release the life of God. He anoints our feet that we would be the carriers of the good news of God to our city. That's what the Holy Spirit does. We are permanently filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Verse 25 and 26. All of this I have spoken while still with you, but the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, with whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Fifthly, the Holy Spirit proclaims and preaches the truth of God to us. It's by the Holy Spirit that the Word of God comes alive. And I love what Jesus says. The Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that I have told you. Let me ask you this. How can the Holy Spirit remind you of things that you haven't read? That's why we've got to be in the Word. So the Holy Spirit can cause this to come alive. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Number six, the Holy Spirit releases the peace of God. Even if the situations and the circumstances that we face doesn't change, the Holy Spirit gives us the peace of God to to go through those situations, to deal with those situations, to face those situations, and the perseverance to come through the other end. So the Holy Spirit is our paraclete. He's our advocate, our helper, our comforter, our intercessor, our counselor, our strengthener. He's our very present help in time of need. The Holy Spirit, we believe that He is a person, that we are permanently filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, that He proclaims and preaches the Word of God to us, and He is filled with peace. And if we had time, we would also say that the Holy Spirit prays for us, and He releases the power of God over us, and that he, the Holy Spirit is, is the Spirit of purity, and He releases passion and gives us perseverance, and He pours out the love of God into our heart, and He is the Spirit of promise. And those are just a handful of attributes from one letter of the alphabet. I wish we had a thousand Sundays to stand here and go through every letter of the alphabet and come up with 20 or 25 different words that describe the person of the Holy Spirit. This is just a sample, a taste of who he is. And I trust that as I'm speaking and as I'm sharing the Spirit of God, I trust is even stirring your heart to want to know him more. Not intellectually, but to experience his very presence. Lastly, Jesus prophesies about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 8. And he says this, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. 
He prophesies about the coming Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who has now come. But still, anyone who's thirsty, the invitation is let us go to Jesus and drink and rivers of living water will flow from within him as the scriptures have said. Can I get the worship team up here? We're gonna end with a song this morning. But the invitation that I wanna give to every single one of you as we sing this last song is if you are thirsty, if you are thirsty, if you, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior and you are thirsty this morning to know eternal life, to know relationship with, with God the Father, even though you might not understand it, the invitation to you this morning is to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I am thirsty. Would you fill me with your presence? But I want to say, if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I can almost guarantee there are some, maybe all of us, in some area of our life, we are thirsty We are thirsty for the life of God. We are thirsty for breakthrough. We are thirsty for God to quench the parched sensation that we have in our spirits. The answer this morning, friends, is to come to Jesus and to say, Jesus, I'm thirsty. Would you quench my thirst? I I don't know where it is, but a psalm comes to mind. It, It simply says this, I will open my mouth. Will you fill it? Let that be our posture this morning. Let's let's open our mouths. Let's open our hearts and say, Lord God, would you fill my heart with your presence this morning? Can we stand? We're just gonna take, we're gonna take a few minutes just to listen, just to be ministered to by the song, sing along. The most important thing I invite you to though is to open your heart and let Jesus come in to fill you and to quench the thirst that you might have this morning. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem Church Chicago and visit us anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.